I want you to think of the fanciest meal you've ever had. And I'm not talking. No, no, listen. No, no, no. Here's the thing, though. I don't know that Fogo counts because we were all there and we were all being retarded. I'm talking about where you got to be, like, proper and you got to dress right and your aunt's house. What's cotillion? What is that? I don't even know what that is. Do what? Oh, I've never been to this. You act like I know about these things. All right, you got like four forks, and you got to use them in the right order and stuff. Yeah. Okay. You got to learn how to manners. Yeah. Pinkies up. Is that what I heard? Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This is this is crazy. My uh, when I was growing up, there was this family in our church called the they were they were called the Wards, and uh, they had three daughters. They were awesome. They were awesome people. They were a great family. They were in JBQ. We did fine arts together. Um, but they were like super proper. It's it was weird. They were from. Uh, their family was from, like, Trinidad and Tobago, and so they had cool, like, island accents, but they were, like, crazy prim and proper. Like, they, the girls always had on, like, dresses, and jeans was, like, dressed way down for them, and, uh, like, we'd go over to their house, and it was like, like, I always felt out of place at their house, because it was all so nice and always super clean, and I think it was Allison. Allison was, like, a month older than me or so. She, uh, for her sweet 16, they had, like, a legit cotillion like that was her like like we rented tuxes and the girls were in like ball gowns and all the whole deal the fancy stuff you know I think they had a swing dance instructor so like we learned how to swing dance a little bit um it was the fanciest thing I still probably have ever no it's been a decade I can't remember um that I was I'm 27 I was 16 that's 11 years it's more than a decade so so no you're like 14 aren't you Okay, so, oh, yeah, so yeah, so you were like one years old when this happened. Okay, that gives you an example there. Okay, so that's how long ago this was. But, but I remember, and their house was always like that. Like, I always felt a little out of place because I always felt like I had to, like, sit up straight and, you know, couldn't, you know, didn't want to get, like, my, didn't want to get their carpet dirty. It was really strange. Um, yeah, yeah, like, I felt like I couldn't touch anything. They were really sweet. They were great people. Um, I, it was just their house always made me feel like that. Well, tonight we're going to check out a story that's kind of like that. Um, we're in Luke chapter 14, and Jesus is eating with the Pharisees, okay? And the Pharisees were the stuck-up, rich church people, okay? That's, that's who the Pharisees were. These are, these are religious dudes. They can quote the Bible. They can quote the Old Testament. Um, and, and they were really stuck up, and they're always looking for a reason to yell at somebody. So they're at this, he's at this Pharisee's house. He's eating dinner at this fancy, this fancy house, you know. And, and the, like I said, the Pharisees were always looking for a reason to judge or to yell at somebody. Jesus got yelled at a lot by these dudes, usually for stupid things because they, he was better than them and they were mad about it. So they would, like, yell at him for, for dumb things. Like, they'd say he couldn't heal on the Sabbath. He would heal somebody, and they'd be like, you can't heal on the Sabbath because that's work. And he'd be like, dude, if your kid fell into a well on the Sabbath, would you leave him there till the next day? No, you'd help him out. So anyways, so he's having dinner with these Pharisees, and there's a bunch of them there. It's not just one. We, we know there's a bunch of them there. But uh, we're going to start in verse 15 of Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read the whole chunk, and then we're going to uh, kind of dig into it a little bit. I neglected to bring my, my paper Bible, so i got to pull it up on my U version here. Um, here we go. Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. 
The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So we know the background here. Jesus is having dinner with these stuck-up people, and he's just waiting for them to ask a question. You know, Jesus never answered a question straight. Like, they'd ask him a question, and he would ask them a question in return, get them thinking. So this guy says, blessed is he who eats at the master's table in verse 15. Or, you know, and, and what does Jesus immediately do? Jesus ignores the dude. Okay, how many of you know there's that kid in your class who's always trying to suck up to the teacher, right? Right, And, and you guys know, I tell you all the time, that if you want, <laughs> that if you, <laughs> nothing, nothing, Taylor. Uh, <laughs> Canada may have implied that, you, that that's you. Um, well, he, okay, here's the thing. Here's, we can have that argument later. Here's the thing. You guys know I tell you all the time that if you will just simply be polite and listen to what your teacher says, they will like you. But there's a difference between that and sucking up, right? Like, I mean, there's a difference between doing what they ask and paying attention and being that kid who's always like, I'll pass out the papers, and, and I, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you guys know, you know, and if you don't know, it's you. Um, that's how that works. So, you know, and that's what this dude is. This dude here is trying to suck up to Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to give him a little props, okay? He says, that, Wes, go back to the first verse on there. Um, there it is. He said, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. He's like, see, Jesus, you know, you're awesome, and we want to be with you. So this dude is sucking up, and you don't want to be that guy, okay? I, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. That's not really the main point of this thing at all. But uh, Jesus ignores the dude pretty much and starts telling this story. Now, the story is pretty simple. He and This dude prepares a great banquet, okay, this great feast, and he invites a bunch of people to it. Right, but when it's ready, what happens? Starting in verse 18, it says they began to make excuses. Okay, now I want to point something out here. They knew about the party, right? He already said he had invited them. So, you know, sometimes something gets sprung on you and you have a legit reason you can't do something, right? Okay, but, but in this case, it wasn't so much like that. These guys knew ahead of time, but they all began to make excuses. How many of you guys have ever made up an excuse for not doing your homework? Some of you, some of you are like, no, I've never done that. <laughs> a few hands didn't go up, and now they've all been called liars. So, uh, well, here, I have a short video. Wes, play that next video. Here's the thing. Just like all those students, these people in this story came up with excuses for not to go to this party. And they knew about the party. They had planned on the party. Theoretically, it's kind of assumed that they had even RSVP'd to the party. But when the time comes, they come up with excuses. Now, how many of us, the question becomes then, how often do we make excuses why we can't read our Bible sometimes? Why we can't uh, make it to youth, why we can't make it to a special event, why we can't tell our friend about Jesus, why we can't go to first priority, why we can't uh, do whatever is going to deepen our relationship with God. We know what we're called to. We're called to this relationship with Jesus. And most, if not all of you, have begun that relationship with Jesus. But so often we make these excuses. 
about why we can't do it. Even though we know plenty of time ahead what we have to do and what, what our day is going to look like. And I know stuff always comes up, but, but how often do we make excuses about our relationship with Jesus? And then we wonder why it's so bad. We wonder why we're struggling with motivation and we're struggling with maybe with depression. And, and you know, like, oh, man, everything's just so rough right now. And it's like, well, you haven't been in the Word in two weeks. wonder if there's any connection there. Moving on here to verse 15, or uh, no, verse 21. Okay, he says, he, the, the master tells the servants, go out and find people. I don't even care who it is at this point. He says, go and, 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 and go out into the streets and alleys and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see, this was a big deal because these Pharisees would have never associated with these people. The Pharisees that Jesus is talking to would have never associated with a crippled person. They would have just walked by them, maybe thrown a, a coin down, down in their direction. They would have never uh, befriended somebody like this. They would have never, certainly not invited them into their house. And yet Jesus is saying, you know what, there's a party, somebody's got to come to it. If all these stuck-up people think they're too busy for it for me, then fine, I'll take whoever will come to me. That's who I'll take. And he says, go and bring the poor and the blind and the lame. And they did that, and he said, there's still room. And the master said, fine, go out to the roads. He's saying, go further. Go out of town. Go out to the roads that are coming into town. Invite whoever you can, because tonight my house is going to be full. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Man, I tell you what, this really gets at me, because it's so easy for us to only speak about Jesus or to only befriend those who are like us. Right, it's easy for me to, to, to befriend somebody who is, you know, grew up middle class, you know, and, and maybe who likes sports and who, or who likes music. Yeah, that's just like me. Shoot, it's easy for me to make friends with that guy. Okay, but, but how hard is it for us to go out of our comfort zone? You guys have heard me say many times, if you don't know somebody who's unsaved, meet somebody Right? You've heard me say that a dozen times if you've heard it once. Okay? This is, what that's, this is what that's about. You know, it's not just up to us to invite our friends, and that's it. The people we're comfortable around, and that's it. It's up to us to bring everybody possible to, to a knowledge of Jesus and of what he did for us. It's not up to us to judge who deserves and who doesn't deserve Jesus. We know that none of us really deserve Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? God doesn't view us in the terms of rich or poor or lame or strong. God views us as jacked up sinners, every one of us, that he loves. So are you doing that? Is this something that you have done in the past or is this something that you're struggling with? Like I said, this is very convicting to me. This is a message that I'm kind of preaching to myself here. Okay, because it's something I struggle with too. It's hard for us to find people who aren't like us and invite them and, and reach them with the love of Jesus. But that's what we're called to do. Okay, verse 24, I like it because he gets one last jab at the religious people there. He says, I tell you, not one of these who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. He's saying, you religious people who are too busy for me, that's fine. I'll fill the spots with somebody else. That's fine. If you're too busy for me, I love somebody else. God has an unlimited love, but, and, and he does chase us, and we know we talked about a few weeks ago in our, in, uh, I can't remember which, which one of the books it was, one of the first minor prophets that talked about God wants to woo us and he wants to pursue us, but 
But, but he's going to do that. He's going to chase after us, but he's not going to force us. He doesn't force anybody into relationship with him. He allows us to make the choice. And so if we choose to be too busy, if we choose not to make our relationship with him a priority, he will be in a relationship with other people. Okay? It's just like your boyfriend or girlfriend. If you've got a boyfriend, okay, that, that doesn't talk to you, right? You say you're in a relationship, you're quote-unquote dating, but you never talk. And, and ladies, if your boyfriend was always hanging out with his friends and never hung out with you, you'd leave him, right? You'd be like, fine then, I'll go meet somebody else. Guys, you would do the same thing. Okay, God gave us those relationships and the marriage relationship as, a, as, a, as, as an example, as an earthly metaphor for our relationship with him. So, so the parallels work very well there that, that if, if only one person is in a relationship, it's not a very good one. Jesus is in, in the relationship. He's invested in his relationship with you. But if you're too busy for him, then he'll invest in other people. He'll love them. And he'll let you do what you want to do until you're, until you're ready for him. But we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know that we're going to have the ability later to come to him. We have to choose daily, day in and day out, to be in relationship. We have to make time. We have to make our priorities right. So that's the question. The challenge for, for tonight's message two is, is twofold, really. Number one, are you too busy for Jesus? Have you been making excuses about why your relationship with, relationship with him isn't where you want it to be? Have you been wondering why your relationship with him isn't, isn't where you want it to be? If that's the case, I would encourage you to examine your day-to-day life. Examine the choices you make. Examine the time you spend. Examine the influences in your life. And see if you're like these, these Pharisees, you're like these people that got invited to the party and decided they were too busy, decided they had other things more important. Okay, I, I saw a quote today, and it's not by some famous preacher. It's a, it's a lady my dad knows. But she said, is commitment really commitment if you so re- readily lay it down when things get tough or when something better comes along? See, you're not really committed to something if, if, it's, you know, if something better comes along and you're fully comfortable just bailing on it. Right? But we know that Jesus wants more than that. Two weeks ago, that's what we talked about was the cost of discipleship and the cost of relationship with Jesus. So are you submitting to that? Are you allowing Jesus to be your top priority? Are you making excuses or are you making choices that will lead to a better relationship with Jesus? Then question number two is this. Have you been trying to decide who, who does and doesn't deserve Jesus? Maybe you've never consciously thought of that way. Maybe you've never looked at somebody and said, you know what, that person doesn't deserve to come to church. You've never thought that specifically. But you know there's people in your classes, and, and you know you can think of people that you kind of avoid talking to because they're weird maybe. You, you kind of avoid talking to because, you know, there's just something strange about them or, or whatever it may be, and yet they deserve the love of Jesus too. And you might be the only person who can share that with them. You might be the only person with an opportunity to, to show them Jesus, to be Jesus to them. And to be an example of what Jesus has for them. I love the fact that Joel comes here. You guys, most of you guys know Joel. He comes in. He's the guy with the bike. He comes in on Wednesday nights. He's even come a couple Sundays. Right? And, we, you know, he's, he's a little strange. He is. Okay? I know. We're all looking for him. It's okay. He's not in here right now. But 
We love on him. I love that our church does that so well. He showed up a couple Sunday mornings ago, and it was funny. Harley leaned over to me, and because he, he was carrying a coffee and a donut in the sanctuary. And Harley leaned over and goes, man, I'm really afraid somebody's going to yell at him for having a coffee and donut in the sanctuary. But nobody did. You know, he sat with Dennis and Tatiana and didn't really know what was going on all the time. He was standing up when he wasn't supposed to, and he was sitting down when everybody else was standing up. But that was okay because he got to hear the love of Jesus, and he got to experience the love of Jesus. See, it's so easy for us to just walk by people like that, to ignore people who are a little different than us. But Jesus said, bring the poor, bring the lame, bring the crippled. And go out into the highways and byways, I think is the, old, is the, uh, the KJV translation, and compel them to come in. Beg them to come in. Bring them in at all cost. It's not up to us to judge. Let's pray. God, I know this is a hard lesson for some of us tonight. God, even for me. Lord, that when we get called out on our choices or we get called out on our priorities, that it can be a difficult pill to swallow. But sometimes those, the words we want to hear the least are the words we need to hear the most. And so I pray that this word, God, would strike soft soil tonight. God, that the hearts of these teenagers, Lord, would be affected by this word. These are straight from the mouth of Jesus. These are red-letter words tonight. God, that this message you have sent to us, Lord, this parable God, would be something that, that haunts us if necessary. God, that we can't get out of our mind this week. Lord, that, that, that is not something we can just dismiss. It's just another Wednesday night message or just another sermon, Lord, but that it would sink in. God, like we sang about roots going down deep, God, that this, this story, this message would build roots in our hearts, God, would, would dig into us so that that it's not something we can just brush off or easily forget or choose not to remember. God, that we would be uh, convicted by the Spirit, not condemned by the Spirit, Lord, but, but convicted and drawn closer to you because of the words that you gave us. Lord, that we would not make excuses. God, that we would not make choices to put other things in front of you. We would not say, oh, well, you know what? I had... I, you know, I had too much homework, and homework's good. we, we got to do our work. And, and Lord, I, we, we come up with all these excuses, and I'm the guiltiest, Lord. God, for not spending time with you, for not reading your word, for not praying, for not just enjoying your spirit sometimes, Lord, that we would quit making excuses. We would stand up and make a choice, God, to follow you, not just in words, not just in, in what we say, God, but in deed and in action. God, because that's where the true change, come, change, change comes. That's where you really begin to affect our lives and you really begin to, to, to bring us closer to you and you begin to make us more like you, God. We'll make the choice to draw near to you. Lord, I pray that, God, that we would not judge, that we would not look down on other people because they are different, God, but we would show your love to everybody. God, we would not walk by people with disdain like the like the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan did, Lord, but that we would, God, reach down to help the helpless. God, we know you've said that whatever we've done to the least of these, God, to the poor and to the sick and to the broken, whatever we do to the least of these, we also do unto you. And so I pray, God, you would give us hearts of compassion and you'd give us a heart that desires to show your love to those around us. God, that you would... Help us and give us courage to stand when sometimes it's hard. 
Lord, and you would give us the strength and the wisdom, God, to know what the right choices are and, and the direction, God, to follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our group and in our church. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.